Welcome to another episode of KC Caffeine. My name is Jason. Um, Michael and Deja both will not be on this episode. Deja is off at college. And Michael suffered a loss. Michael, we're thinking about you and your time. Um, I have two of two of my buddies come in. They're going to assist me with this episode. Um, this very special episode for the worst week in American history. Um, not really, but just go with me. Um, first is Mason. How you doing, Mason? Good. Thank you for having me. All right. Tell me a little about yourself. Um, well, my name is Mason Hakes. I am a Kansas City native, born and raised. I have been involved with different advocacy groups, uh, ranging from uh, adult developmental disabilities to LGBT individuals uh, and into animal welfare. So kind of all over the spectrum, but just wanting to make sure everyone's accounted for. Got it. Got it. And then um, you may know him from our other podcast, TJ and the Triforce, uh, Scott. Hi, guys. Uh I grew up in uh, St. Joe, about an hour north of here, and moved as soon as I could. Uh, it is a pit of despair. Don't ever go there. Uh, I live in Kansas City, and I have done none of the things that Mason has done. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you guys both uh, this question. That's the question that I ask uh, anybody new on the show. When did you first become woke? Um, when did you notice systematic oppression? When did you notice you know, racial injustice? You know, I, I say nobody comes in this life knowing our everything and we all kind of have these ideas that we've been given and then at some point we go wait this isn't the way that they said this was um so when did that happen for you mason um personally for me i feel like i was very fortunate to have a parent who i would identify as woke um and so my mother sort of raised me to just be woke um you know, she always told me whenever I was growing up in school, because um, I was a little bit bigger of a kid than most of my classmates, so she always told my told me at the beginning of every school year, if you have a classmate that you notice is getting picked on, it's your responsibility to make sure that you stick up for them. Because if they're not able to, someone needs to step up to the plate. And so that's just the mentality I was raised that's with. That's awesome. Um, and so I kind of would like to say that I was raised woke, essentially, but I think that like the really big, like, oh my God, this is definitely not how this should be happening uh, kind of moment for me was a few years after I became a big brother. Um, my sister, Katie, has cerebral palsy, and having a sibling with a, with a developmental and physical disability, um, that really was eye-opening for our family um, because of how many challenges we had to go through um, for a lot of different things, but especially with our education. Right. Um, and I think that one is a, that's, that's a really important thing because we, you know, we tend to focus on, you know, one thing, you know, black versus white, straight, gay, you know, but there's really a bunch of different things that are happening. And, you know, I think it's important that we hide all of those things. Um, and, you know, we get to, you know, when we do get to all of those. So, Stewie. Uh, first, I cannot believe you have me on here with Mason because the, the line is so very clear. Um, maybe the last six or seven years. Okay. That's when I woke. Um, between you and having a kid that was out in the world doing interactions with other people and watching those interactions, uh, seeing my own neighborhood change. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's 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 there. There's no wrong way to get there. You know, and, and that's the thing. I just took the long way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, 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 because I will say that, you know, yes, although I've grown up in this black body, uh, and I've said on the, on this 
you know, the show before, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood, I grew up in a military neighborhood. So it was, you know, I was very much so that, you know, the different black dude, you know, and I did, my parents shielded me from a lot of, you know, overtly racist things. And so really for me, it wasn't until I did, you know, I came out and, you know, dealing with different things, you know, in, in the dating world and dealing with, you know, because that's a big issue. I mean, we talked about yeah. that the last episode um, and dealing with, you know, the stuff like that. That's when it kind of clicked for me. So it doesn't matter when you get there, you know, as, as long as, as you get there and you start to recognize these things. And I think it's important to understand that, you know, not everybody gets there at the same time, you know, and I'm a firm believer in making, you know, meeting people where they are. You know, as long as you're willing to go on the journey, then I'm willing to meet you where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now if you're, you know, stand firm in your foolishness, then I don't have any, I don't have anything for you. Um, so the topic I want to do today, we were going to talk about, you know, white allies and what that means. But, you know, with this, the, the recent things that have happened this week, I think it's important for us to kind of talk about it. Um, the, the, you know, Tulsa and... You know, and Charlotte both, both to me feel a lot more cut and dry than, say, Ferguson was. You know, you know, we have video and we can see things, and like my heart hurts and I'm tired. I'm I, I'm tired of having this, seeing this. I'm tired of feeling like, you know, me as a black man you know, driving my car, going, you know, I can get stopped and I have a fear that other people don't have to have. Um, so before I jump into my, you know, soapbox rant and rave, um, what are you guys' thoughts on this stuff so far? I mean, it's a very polarizing topic, obviously. Um, it's a very uh, complex topic, uh, race relations. It's got a lot to do with, you know, socioeconomic issues. Um, there's a lot of history uh, that goes into it that's going to fuel a lot uh, in the present times. Um, and also, I feel like a lot of uh, very broad uh, generalizations have been attributed to these issues that are not so broad. I, I agree. Um, go ahead, Stevie. Oh, I... Um, there's some factual uh, disparities in... Especially in Charlotte at this point, um, I don't have all of the information. Um, one side says he has a book. One side says he has a gun. I don't know, so that's what I am just kind of staying out of for the for the moment. I, I and I, I I wish I could stay out of it, you know, and, and I wish I could not have an opinion. This is this is my thought. I I, I happen to listen to it because I couldn't watch the video that the wife posted. You know, I was like, I can't watch it. Um, I, I have not been able to watch any of these videos for a couple weeks now. Yeah, um, I just, I, I can't. I didn't even know there was videos. So. Yeah, I cannot continue to watch videos of black men dying. I just right. can't do it. I just don't, I don't. And the only reason that I had listened to it is because I happened to be in my car listening to, you know, MSNBC and it just happened to, they happened to play it and I was like, okay, I can't listen to the anguish in this woman's voice, you know, when she's, you know, saying, please don't kill my husband, you know, please don't shoot him, please don't shoot him, 
He had a, you know, he just had a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. He just took his medicine. You know, please don't shoot him. And then you hear the gunshots go off. And it's like, and you hear him, them saying he has a gun. And she's like, he doesn't have a weapon. He doesn't have a weapon. Like, she's pleading with him. He doesn't have a weapon. And it's I like, didn't know any of that. And it's, it's, to me, it's one of the, like, I keep looking at these things and I keep saying, by the grace of God, it's not me, you know, by, and I don't have, I don't have a record, you know, I've never been in trouble at all, you know, I, I think you've got more records. Than... <laughs> I do. <laughs> you yes, know? I do. I've, I, I've, you know, I, I come to work, I go home, you know, I hang out with friends, I don't, you know, I'm not the what would be considered the stereotypical black dude, you know, but I am a, a typical black dude. Like, we just go home, we go do, but we, it's not what, you know, the media, and I don't like to blame the media because, I, you know, I think the media's job is to pre- present information. Do I think that they're doing it in the best way possible? Not anymore. You know, I think we've kind of moved into this idea of, you know, sensationalized media. And in that respect, I feel like we should hold the media responsible because they definitely, uh, you know, throw fuel on the fire. Yeah. Journalism is supposed to be about presenting uh, unbiased facts, and that's certainly not how that's being done today. Well, and and, and I think that that's, you know, that's that's something that I definitely want to get into on another day um, as far as what, because, you know, the, the, the Fox media, the Fox News, MSNBC, kind of two different types of media you know, playing to two different audiences is an important thing because it fuels a lot of this. You know, you look at, you know, two, the two, you have two people looking at the same video giving you two completely different facts. You know, what they consider to be facts and, you know, somewhere in the middle is what actually happened. And, you know, I think those things are, that's important. Um, but I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily as, you know, it's cut and dry as, you know, I don't want to die. You know, I want to be able to live my life in a way that, you know, that I'm happy. And it's, what's the saddest thing about this whole thing is, you know, is it's the silence, you know. I feel outraged when anyone goes through a situation, you know, when you, the, I'm just as angry about the terrorist attacks as I am about, you know, as about the killing of unarmed black men, um, as I am about the killing of, you know, police officers. And I'm not silent about any of it. So, you know, those people who can say, you know, fuck Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the, the, you know, during the the national anthem, you know, and, you know, let's, let's be real, like he's a football player, I don't know, how much you? I know you know a lot about football. I don't know how much you know about football. Not a lot. But you know, typically when you kneel during a game, it's because someone is hurt. You know, and that is the show respect for the people who are hurt. Is you kneel during the game. So him kneeling is not just him saying, you know, I'm not going to stand there with my hand over my heart because I don't care about you. He's kneeling because someone is hurting. And you know, I only know that because I've watched. Linda Blue play football and that's what they do when they're hurt so that's what I took from that um, I don't take anything you know I don't think it is disrespect I think that it is he is showing you know that there is a group of Americans who are hurting and who these things are happening to 
and you know you but you can say these things you know you can say these horrible things but when the exact thing that he's talking about happens you're silent I find it very interesting at least on the Colin Kaepernick note that when when we look at athletes we tell them when they do something wrong you shouldn't do things like that because you're a role model but when they do something like protest we say you shouldn't do that kids watch you that's kind of the point right you want them to be role models when they do bad things but you don't want them to be role models when they do things that you and i really at this point when i say you it's mostly the white community let's not lie let me let me step, so I say that let me say this real quick when he says white people or when anyone in this room says white people we are not talking about all white people we're not talking about okay here everyone. let me narrow this down for you if you're racist or if for some reason you have a problem with something that a black person does or a person of color then I'm talking to you directly family oh. St. Joe okay well, whatever he went there <laughs> so make up your minds either leave the athletes alone and let them do whatever the hell they want or accept the fact that there are times they will protest when they will put their hands up and wear t-shirts to say hands up don't shoot or whatever the t-shirts were that the NBA players wore or when they're the Rams players and they're going to walk out with their hands up. And I'm sorry, if there is a single police union in the United States who tells their officers not to guard athletes, you are the problem. Because your brotherhood, and that's what a union is, you bunch of dirty, lying, backstabbing rat sons of bitches, need to figure it out. Because your brotherhood... You guys use that to protect one another. And it's wrong. Um, wow, I thought I was actually going to be you, Mason, that was going to go off. Sorry. <laughs> but, no, it's fine. Uh, um, I get a little worked up. No, and, and, and we're going to get into to the, the brotherhood of, of the police in, you know, in this very episode. So it's a fraternal it's, order. I think it's important. You know, Look, I don't think that all cops are bad. I don't think that all cops Just have... Most. I don't even. I don't even think that most cops are bad. Ninety nine percent. I think that. I think there's a complicity in Absolutely. the police. You know, in the fraternal order of police that shields the bad ones, and which then makes the whole organization look bad. I had a friend of mine that said a little bit of shit in a co- in cookie dough still gives you shitty cookies. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's great. You know, and you know, if I were, I'm not a cop, so I can't speak for what I would do as a cop. But what I think I would do is I would look at these things happening and say something is wrong, and we need to fix it. You know, it's happening too often. You know, too many names are getting added to that roster of you know unarmed people of color that are, and not just people of color. You know, unarmed people being murdered by the police and you can say it's a you can say it's a a militarization thing or a training thing or you know you have a a subset of the police who they didn't get none when they were kids they got you know they were bullied they were made fun of they got a badge and a gun and six months of training 
and was told, go out there and police the neighborhood. They don't live in the neighborhoods that they police. They have a negative view of the, of the neighborhoods that they police because they don't know the people that are there. You know, most of the people that they, you know, if if you look at, especially when you're looking at some of these neighborhoods, I think Kansas City is is better than most as far as that's concerned. But in a lot of areas, they don't need, they don't live in the neighborhoods they're policing, so they're going. That is, they're going to work. It's not their community, so they don't give a fuck about what those people in that neighborhood are doing and what's going on in their lives. They look at them as the criminal element, and they're the enemy. I saw a t-shirt. It's for a cop. It says, I hunt the things you don't believe in. Cops don't hunt. You are there to protect and serve. You should not be hunting anything. Hunting denotes killing. I know that every hunter I know goes and he kills something. So maybe we could, you know, take that thin blue line and throw it out the fucking window because you're separating yourself from your communities. Basically, you've been very quiet. Um, <laughs> well, no, you're fine. On this uh, topic in particular, you know, I, uh, I'll just speak on a local note. Here in Kansas City, Missouri, if you want to work for the city, you have to live in the city limits, um, regardless of what job that is, what department that is. So Kansas City, Missouri Fire Department, Police Department, city proper as administrative staff, um, you have to live in the city. You have to have Kansas City, Missouri proper address. Um, so uh, whenever you look at that, there are a lot of police officers who, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri in particular, will live at the southernmost or the northernmost part of the city, and that would be called cop and firefighter land. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not to be said about all cops and right. all firefighters by any means. There are police officers who um, wanted to genuinely make their communities better and their neighborhoods better who joined the police department, who do live in those communities. Um, and there has actually been a decision made here recently. Um, Kansas, City, the, the, uh, Kansas City Police Department has decided to... Um, get rid of their community integration uh, officer so these uh this is an officer whose sole job it is to go out and interact with the community and get to know them um and now they're getting rid of that and they're trying to say that they're going to have all these other officers doing that on their own but that's not the case because we are critically understaffed whenever it comes to our police department right um like North Patrol will have maybe two officers for the entire Platte and Clay County portion of Kansas City, and that's not something that's very feasibly covered by two right. two officers. Um, and uh, so, you know, it is a it is a matter of training. I feel like uh, the uh, getting the armored vehicles and things like that from the army is also something that is obviously contributed to the militarization uh, aspect of it. Um, I have an uncle who's a police officer for KCPD, so I have a relatively intimate understanding of how that works. Um, they get that really cheap from the Army whenever they're done with it, and they get a new model. Right. So I understand that they're being resourceful, um, but I don't necessarily want to see a tank rolling down my city streets. If there's an armored car that needs to go into the front of a house because there's a standoff, that's a different story. There's, I think, uh, definitely a line there that is very easily crossed. Well, I think there's a there's a... There is something to be said about, you know, being resourceful, getting things, you know, all of that good stuff. But, you know, if I'm, this is how I say that all police officers should, you know, if, it, if I were the mayor or I could run the police department, this is what I, I would do. If, you know, you want to be a cop, great. Come on in and join the force. The first six months that you are there, you are not a police officer. You are learning your community. 
you're getting to know the people on the beat in which you will run so that you know Jamal and you know Clark and you know Ethan you know the people in the neighborhood you know their families you know you know so that way when the situation does come up and things are tense a you know who this person is you know their family you then know how it affects that you know how your actions would then affect that person and then they also know you you know so you know they, they've seen your kids you've seen their kids you know so when you happen to see somebody's you know kid doing something I don't have any business doing hey I'm gonna call your mom what are you doing you know and then they you know they feel comfortable coming to you when they need help and you then would feel you would alleviate that fear I don't understand I get part part of it me gets why there is a fear of black men we can be imposing figures you know but if you're a cop you know your job first of all you chose that profession no one said you know hey you you be the police officer you I know? would be a terrible cop <laughs> yeah you chose you you got up and made a decision to serve and protect your community so I hold you to a higher standard mm-hmm. and you know you can miss me with that black on black crime bullshit you know you can when I'm talking to you about a police officer shooting an unarmed black man do not bring up black on black crime because we've been talking about black on black crime for decades and it wasn't until this stuff started happening that other people started talking about it and it's not black on black crime it's just crime you know that's just what it is people commit crimes where they are so if you look at the statistics for white on white crime they're just as high so you know and but when i when when you know when when you bring that up to someone you know, they're like, oh, but that's different. No, it's not. It's not different. We're not talking about those two things. What we're talking about are these specific situations where unarmed black men, for apparent no reason, you know, I can take the Michael Brown situation out of the equation because we don't know what it mean. We have an idea of what happened. We don't know, we know for sure. The only two people who know, one ain't talking and the other one's dead. You know, same with Trayvon Martin. One ain't one is saying his side, the other one can't tell the side of the story. Those ones I'll take out, you know, of the of, of of the equation. If you could tell me that someone has done something wrong and has actually caused imminent danger to a person and they were shot, I have nothing for that one. It is what it is. You know, you do what you have to do. But when someone is standing outside of his car because his car broke down and you shoot him and kill him and then you say oh I thought it was my taser what <laughs> is that what she said now yeah she said she thought it was a taser huh. I don't know if you've ever felt a taser versus a gun yes they don't feel the same nope that's the, that's see, it's mind boggling to me that that people think that these are acceptable excuses or you know even real excuses they're bullshit Right. <clears throat> I'm a private citizen. I have not received any crazy training whenever it comes to gun safety, but I have taken a hunter safety course, so I know the basics of handling and owning a gun safely. Um, and even I would know the difference between those things. I have had one taser in my life and one gun in my life, and they felt completely different. <laughs> 
Um, usually when I see officers that carry both, uh, they have them on opposite hips. So I'm not going to give her any leeway on that. You need, then, you need to know what weapon you're holding. That's kind of an important aspect of your job. That's number one. There was a volunteer <laughs> sheriff in oh, Texas. The 79-year-old volunteer the sheriff. 70, the 79-year-old volunteer sheriff who in Texas, they were trying to apprehend a suspect. And there were two or three officers on him, and he was one of them. And he says, taser, taser, taser. Bang! Wrong gun, knucklehead. Yeah. So, you get charged with that. Right. He got charged with involuntary manslaughter. Which is what's supposed to happen, and this is the thing. If you go through, with all of these these shootings, if, there, if charges were filed, and there were court cases that gone through, you know, and they and in those court cases... Someone, you know, it was determined that this person was not guilty of a crime. That this was a mistake, and these things happened, and blah blah blah. Hey, I'm gonna have an issue with that, but I'm going to understand because the due process was followed. But to turn around and say no charges are filed because you're telling me that it's you're telling not just me but other police officers it's okay, it's fine for these things to happen. I think we need a follow up on some of these cases. Um. Some of them I have follow-ups on because um, I can't pay attention. The kid to in Baltimore, um, Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. Um, everybody got off. Uh, well, everybody. There's still two more cases pending. Uh, well, so far everybody's um, got. So off. far everybody's gotten off, or it's a bit of mistrial. Uh, um, what about the the other one in was it North Carolina or South Walter Carolina? Scott? Yeah, Walter Scott. Um, they are holding the case up because the police want to talk to the guy who did the video. And his lawyer is like, under no circumstances, you know, you, you, what reason do you have to talk to him? You know, with the, the video shows clearly you shooting this guy, walking over, planting your taser on him, and then calling it in. You know, but they want to talk, so they, they're, the prosecution or the defense is saying that they want to talk to him and, you know, his, their entire case hinges on what he saw. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to you guys. I don't have a reason to talk to you. So that case has kind of been put on limbo. Um, let me see. I know that San Sandra, the Sandra Bland case, which was the woman in yes, Texas. Yes, who? There have been charges filed. I don't know the specifics. I didn't not know that. On, um, not on the cop that actually did, you know, that arrested, but there have been some charges filed somewhere. I would have to get more specifics. I'll post those in... The uh, on the pay, on the group page, uh, the article. Um, haven't heard anything about Fernando Castillo yet. Um, nothing about Alton Sterling. The fact that I know these people's names is sad to me. Like I, I can just say their names, and you know it's 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 rough. <laughs> it really is. Well, like, the thing is, I I think that we need a lot more follow up. And the follow-up includes what actions those police departments have taken to ensure that these things don't continue to happen. Well, they said that body cams would be the thing that would, would, would keep these from happening, you know, and, and that we would get more transparency. Well, you know, the problem with the Keith Scott case, or was his name Scott? I think it is. Yes. The problem with this Keith Scott case is that they won't release the body cam footage. That's you know, the one in... That's the one in Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. They're saying that, you know... Because the law that is, you know, due to start, you know, to go into effect October 1st means you have to have a court order to get 
the footage. So they're just gonna wait till October. So they're just, just they, they just oh, won't release the footage. It. You know, they 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 don't they don't have to, and that's where that's where the protests are coming in. And let's let's and also be aware that those that similar legislation has been introduced and passed here in the state of Missouri. Yeah. There's a lot of things that happened in the state of Missouri in the last couple oh of weeks God. that's horrible. Okay, um, well, fill me in because I've been working a lot and not seeing much news. Uh, you can still carry without a license now. I knew that. That's um, terrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah, that's a freaking nightmare. There's, There was another thing that I was just like, oh, so we just don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> like, we don't care. Um, there's the body cam stuff. Can you think of anything else? Not from this veto session, no. Yeah, I mean, either way. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. I mean, so basically, like, it's about to be Wild Wild West out here. And, you know, because you've already got people, tensions are already high. Regardless of what's you, what you blame that on, be it, you know, police, you know, police brutality, you know, the fact that we're sitting here doing this podcast, because there are people who are like, you know, you're just making the problem worse. That's fine. But, you know, by talking about it. Racism doesn't go away because we talk about it, nope. or because we don't talk about it. It just says that's not how, how that happens. You know, if that was the case, we hadn't been talking about it for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's it just is what it is. You have to talk about it. But um, I mean, it's just it's crazy, and I I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> uh, what else? What we were going? I was going somewhere. Oh, the other thing about the case in Tulsa. Now they're saying, you know, he was saying that he, the guy was reaching into his window. Yeah. I've um, also heard that the windows were rolled the up. The windows were rolled up. And you can see his reflection in the window. And you can see the blood spatter on the window after he's been shot. So... I haven't watched the video. Um, I, that, that one I watched by mistake because Facebook is a jackass. And I just happened to be scrolling and it started playing. And I was like, oh, so I don't have a choice whether or not I want to watch this guy get murdered today, huh? <laughs> You know, it's... Ugh. Huh. So, that was a lot. <laughs> and, um... I don't know if it's enough. I mean, we need follow-up. Follow-up by our police departments to make sure this doesn't keep happening. We are giving people badges and guns and saying, we want you to drive around and protect us. And they think they're hunting. That's not a good mentality for our police force to have. I mean, that tells me that you don't care about your community. I mean, think about it. You know, when you go hunting, you don't... Do you really care about the deer you're going to hunt? Like, that's food. You know? That's sport. You know? And... And so if you're, if the thought process is, I'm going hunting, you know, these aren't, these aren't animals, you know, these aren't wild animals, you know, game. They're not game. These are human lives. The last time I, besides any police officers that I actually know, and there's one that I can think of, and he just got promoted, so congratulations if you actually hear this. I won't say your name, just in case. Don't want to get anybody in trouble. But the other nice cop that I knew was uh, when I worked at Oak Park Mall. And he was, he worked, moonlighted his security. Like on some weekends and stuff. Super nice guy. Every other cop I run into, especially when they're doing their security guard secondary gig, 
They just stand there stone-faced like they are just the thing that saves you. Like they had, even in that tone of voice, like Sunday, 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 God <laughs> will stand there and protect you from the wolves. No, be nice, dude. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it comes down to getting <coughs> to know the people in which you are protecting. You know, and serve. You are protect and serve. It's just that simple. You know, you got up there and you made that 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 stand, and you, I didn't, I didn't wake up and say, you know what, today I'm going to be black. Like, I'm going to do that today. And I'm just going to be as black as I possibly can. But I am. And I'm just going to be, you know, that just is. And so when I say things like Black Lives Matter, what I mean by that is, you know, I want to be able to get up and do, you know, go to work, go home, not experience, you know, casual-ass racism like I have to do sometimes at my job, you know, where people just say things and I'm just like, wow, you really said that out of your mouth and you don't even care that I'm standing here. Hmm. You know? And, you know, because, and drive on my roads and go home and if I feel like going two miles over the speed limit, if there's a cop right there, I don't have to worry about dying. You know, because it's not as simple as, you know, people, people like to think of racism and this idea of you know, I called you a nigger. So that means I'm racist. And that's usually a pretty good sign. That is that 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 is a sign that you are like that you're you're in it to win it. You've got that racism badge on and you are proud of that mug. But it's not it's not always that cut and dry, you know. No. There is this woman that I know who uses other terms for the terms that she means, I don't want to give too much away um, because I don't. She might listen, and although I don't really care, um, I don't want to cause no problems at my place of employment. But she uses other terms, and you know, they're dog whistle terms, like things that if you heard them, you would know exactly what she's saying. You would know exactly what she means, and there are a couple of them. Um, she doesn't use these ones, but terms like thug. When someone says thug, you know exactly what they mean. You know exactly where you could tell everything that, that that they want to know from just that one term. You know, when you're talking about, well, all they want is, you know, stuff. You know exactly what they means. You know, there's there are certain ways and in terms of, and, and I, for the first time, I called somebody a racist like you're that's racist like for the and I, I don't ever do that because I'm I don't throw that word around because to me that word carries a lot of weight so if I'm using that term like I feel it in my soul so you know he posted something about you know all they want is just to tear shit up and blah 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 because they're thugs and I was like racist he was like I'm not racist it was someone from St. Joe <laughs> I'm that not racist you're a shocker I'm not racist you're an asshole and I'm like I'll be an asshole, but you'll still be racist. And you know, and let me break down to you why I said that. And I put wrote his exact terms back to him with the quotation marks on them. And I said, you may not understand this, but everybody who read that knows exactly what you mean when you say that. And that is racist. Well, I didn't say anything about race. You didn't have to. 
That's the beauty about the English language. What you're doing is directly insinuating it. Right. And, you know, I call it racism 2.0, but really I should call it racism 3.0 because, you know, it's evolving faster than I can come up with it, than I can combat it. But it's, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to say I don't like, you know, I don't like black people or I don't like Mexicans or I don't like, you know, Asians or I don't like gay. You, you don't have to say that anymore. You know, you could say things like you're one of the good ones because if I'm one of the good ones, wow. then everybody else is one of the bad ones. And uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm going to throw this to you guys. <laughs> Let you guys say. Well, I mean, you just, especially when when you're confronted with it, when you know the co- confrontation you had. For the rest of us who are watching these things, it's like, do I say those things? Do I do those things? And, and it's like, then you just sit there and you start racking your brain, picking apart everything you've said, trying to remember every conversation you've had because you're trying to avoid it. Right. At least I know I am. I'm not racist. I don't really. I mean, there's like some people I don't like. I will say that we all have biases. Everyone has a bias. You know, don't from. You can be super woke, super. You can carry your flag. You can have a Black Lives Matter and a gay flag, and you know, a trans flag. You know, transgender flag. You can have all of those things. You are still going to have your biases. What is important about that is you need to understand that those that those biases are there and why they exist. I'm a pirate. Shut up, Stu. <laughs> That's the flag I have. But I mean, like you can you know you can cape for all of these different you know these different groups and still have biases. Well, I, hopefully, people stop and think about what they say. Right, and that's a very important thing. I hear people, oh well. You know, now they're just tearing up their own neighborhoods. I knew some guys that did that once. Yup. They kicked a bunch of tea into a river. <laughs> then they wrote a note. Said, ha ha, we're leaving. If they had lost, they'd be terrorists. Because they won, they're revolutionaries. I feel like there's a mic that needs to be dropped somewhere around here. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> what are you thinking, Mason? It's okay. just it's a it's just a major double standard. You know what is acceptable for a white man to do and what is acceptable for a black man to do are two totally different things. Um, and if you were to look at that in like a comparison, and you had a middle column that was the same of what they can do, that would be very limited. Um, and that's an issue. I frequently will be driving. I live just outside of Gladstone, Missouri, where there's like a fuck ton of cops everywhere. Um, the local Walmart pays for like two or three of them a year, uh, just because. Um, and so the uh, basic gist is that you can't really go too far in Gladstone without seeing uh, at least one or two of those Dodge Chargers going right. down the street. Um, and I can't help but think to myself, Nine times out of ten, when I'm passing a cop, I'm speeding. Uh, and then I can't help those nine times out of ten thinking to myself, I feel like I probably would have been pulled over just now if I had a different color skin. And that's not something that I feel a lot of people think about. It's something that some a lot of folks take for granted. They don't think about because it's not something that affects them. Uh, they don't have to live their life as a black man or a black woman, so it's not something that they're aware of. A white person never thinks about the color of their skin because it's not an issue that affects them. 
um, you know, something as simple as driving to work or driving to the grocery store, um, you know, becomes half of an anxiety attack just in of itself. Right. And that's not fair. And I think it's, it's, you, it's, it, you touched on, on something that I thought, that I think is interesting is this idea of, you know, as a white person, you don't think about the color of your skin. So then you say things like, you know, then, so then you have those things like, I don't see color. You know, color doesn't exist to me. Oh, that's ignorant. <laughs> you know, and it's like, but that's someone who's just not woke yet. If, well, they're, if they're saying that, they just don't get it. They're they're not there yet. It's ignorant. Uh, it's yeah. ignorance. You can cure ignorance. Can you though? You can with education. <laughs> with education and you willing can and cure willingness ignorance. to learn. You have to be willing to learn that. You have to be willing to because because I say you know I don't. Cause I, and I th- I used to be like I don't see color I see everybody the same but when, then when I was a kid I, I said that too because because right. I, I really did view everyone the same but I did, as a you know 12 13 year old kid when I said that statement I didn't realize the ignorance behind that right behind that statement now X many years later as an adult I'm able to look at that reflect on it and say okay no I get what I meant but that's not but that's what not I what I, I yeah, right what I said is not what I meant yeah. you know and it's it's this idea, and, and let me explain for those people who do say that I don't see color and it's all the same. What what that says is that I don't see a part of you. You know, there is there are experiences that you that, that you have that I don't see because I don't see color. There are things that happen in your life and things that that that, that you do because I don't see your color and I treat everyone the same. I am missing the other thing because there are people regard regardless of whether you see it or not. There are people that do and treat accordingly. And if you don't see color, I can't explain to you what is happening for, with, with my life with those people because you don't get it. You'll never get it. And, you know, I have, I, I have a, a person, I love this person, one of my best friends. It very much so, I don't see color. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand this, you know, this thing. And I, and I keep trying to explain to her. You know, I that when you say that, what it sounds like is that I'm, you know, I want you to see color. I want you to see me totally, you know, and I want you to see the experiences and the things that I go through, you know, being a black man, being a gay man. And understand this, my life isn't terrible. It's not a horrible situation. I'm doing pretty damn good. You know, there are people that have it much worse out there for me, both white and black. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that if we're all running a race, I started that race 10 steps behind by virtue of the fact that I am a black gay man. So I have to work twice as hard to get to the same point that someone else is at. And I don't ask for sympathy. I don't need nobody to throw me a party and send me a couple. I don't need any of that stuff. Just see it. And that's all that I ask. And I don't get why that's difficult for people. Like, I don't understand. It's because it's an easy cop-out. It's an easy way to not acknowledge the issues uh, that are involved uh, in race relations. It's an easy way to say, oh, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't see race. I don't, you know, that's not a thing that I'm uh, judgmental about. You can say that, but it's not true. It's just not possible well i mean and it, it's it's that goes back to that casual racism thing because it's one thing to say like i said there's a completely different thing to say i don't like this particular person these particular group of people and it's something completely different to have again your biases and your stereotypes and your you know and we all have them of different people i was talking to 
uh, one of my coworkers yesterday, you know, super close friend, um, and we make random, you know, inappropriate jokes at each other with each other all the time. And he said something, and I was like, that's because, you know, and I told him, I was like, well, you don't season your food, so I don't want to hear it. You know, little things like that. And, you know, I had to kind of go back, and I was like, you know, that was, as me as being someone who was trying to, you know, combat stuff like that, I shouldn't do that. You know, I should probably, you know, you know, but, and understand this, again, how people are with each other is different. You know, some people that stuff flies with, you know, some people that stuff doesn't fly with, you know, and it's nothing wrong with being able to make those kind of jokes if you know that person and you guys are by yourselves. You it's know? just a matter of knowing the individual and their level of comfort. Um, right. So, like, you know, if you've got two, uh, you know, black people, they very well be comfortable calling each other the N-word. Right. If you've got two gay people, they very well be comfortable calling each other queer. Right. In a reverse situation, you might have two black men where that's not okay. If right. you call them that, they're going to kick the shit out of you. Likewise, if you call a couple gay guys queer, there could very well be a chance that they could turn around and kick the shit out of you. Right. Because those words pack a lot of impact. Right. Um, and, and it's just a matter of, you know, understanding and knowing on an intimate level uh, whoever you're saying it to. Right, and, and also and knowing comfort. the level of, of friendship, because I think you know me and Stewie make jokes back and forth to each other, uh, you know, all the time as well. But that's because we have that. A, I understand that Stewie, I know where Stewie's coming from, you know, because it is one thing for somebody to say, you know, if I don't know where you're coming from and you say something, I'm going to react completely differently than I am if I know you, mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with the fact that I, I may not like what words you're saying or anything like that. It's different because there are times when me and Studio said, so he said something to me, and I had to be like, whoa, hold on, sir. <laughs> you know, hold on, sir. He's like, oh, did I, did I cross the line? I'm like, a little bit. And he's like, okay, sorry about that. And we move on, mm-hmm. you know. But if I, you know, if you don't know someone right, and, and, and just casually saying things, you know, one of them is, you know, I just think that dreads are really, you know, unprofessional. I think a lot of things white women wear in the or workplace are inappropriate. What is with the blue hair? Like, that freaks me. We're out. not gonna get into that. <laughs> we were not. To, I mean, it's just a thing that it's it's a it, fad. It freaks me out. It's a fad. Like I, I'm like, ooh, get it away. You know, it's a fad, and you know, but but you know, that's something that's come across to me is that I think I think that your dreads are very unprofessional, and yeah. it's just like, first of all, my hair is probably twice as clean as yours. <laughs> Secondly, you know, that has nothing to do with my ability to do my job. It baffles me how someone thinks that's socially acceptable to think or say that. Um, you know, for and if you're going to look at that, you need to really be uh, cracking down on everybody. You right. know, if someone's going to say that your dreads are unprofessional, then you, need, you guys need to be looking at the 20-some-odd, 30-some-odd, you know, uh, white girl who comes in with the super short skirt and the super short blouse. I don't want to sexualize women, but if we're going to, you know, point out people of color and say that certain things of them are unprofessional or unacceptable in the workplace, then we need to be assholes all across the right. board. Right, le- you know, your leggings and, you know... I want to go work at the unprofessional workplace. Of course you do, Stewie. <laughs> <laughs> um... That is in jest. Please don't. Please, we're gonna get letters for this one anyway. Oh, I that's know. all right. I don't care. Um, but we're hitting at forty-five minutes. So what we're gonna do is uh, we're going to end this one here, um, and take a quick break, and then we'll 
record for the second one. Um, quick updates news. We have, we finally, finally have artwork for the page. Yay. Um, we also got an email address. I finally got off my lazy ass and got that done. Uh, email us at kccaffeine at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, all of that, you know, that stuff. Uh, Stewie and Mason, thank you so much. Um, this was a great conversation. Um, and uh, you guys stay woke, folks. Thanks for having us. I had fun. I'm glad that you did. <laughs>